to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Revelations chapter 1 tonight, we'd like to talk a little bit about uh, how many of you know that uh, God is a spirit? Devils are spirits, how many of you know that? Angels are spirits, how many of you know that? And you are a spirit, how many of you know that? Praise God. Okay, Revelations chapter 1. Look at verse 18. Jesus is speaking. He says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death. Here Jesus says that he was dead, but now he is alive. Jesus is alive, and of course he rose on resurrection day. And the church is called to be a witness. Say a witness. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1, when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, how many have had the Holy Ghost come upon? When the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power, and you shall be a witness. Say a witness. Now, what are we supposed to witness? We're supposed to witness that Jesus is alive. He's been raised from the dead. He's been raised up. He's been seated in heavenly places. So in order to witness, we need to have power over the enemy in order to do that, to prove that Jesus is now alive. So we witness with great power, proving the victory that Jesus provided. Paul said, my speech and my preaching is not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of spirit and power. Praise God. Hallelujah. So if he's truly alive, then it's time for great power in the ministry and in the church and in your life. Verse 18 here says that basically he has the keys. Say the keys. Now, you know you have keys. If you have keys, they give you access to things. If you have car keys, they give you access to the car. If you have house keys, they give you access to the house. They also are used to lock things out. So basically Jesus is saying he has the keys of hell and of death, and basically he has access to all the kingdom things, and he has the ability to lock out things that are not of the kingdom of God. All right, go to Psalm 22. I'm going to talk about Satan's defeat tonight. Make sure that you understand that he has been defeated. You don't have to defeat him. He's already been done. Jesus took care of it for us. All right, Psalm 22, are you there? Let's start in verse 16. This is a view of the cross, basically. It says, For dogs have compassed me, and the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, They have pierced my hands and my feet. So we know he's talking about the cross, don't we? I may tell all his bones, they look and they stare at me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vestures. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorn. I will declare thy name unto thy brethren in the midst of the congregation. I will praise thee. So here we see basically, number one, this is talking about the cross. In verse 16, he talks about a dog. Say a dog. Now, who's he talking about here? He's talking about demons, isn't he? He's talking about the demons have surrounded him on the cross. He's about to suffer and about to die. Verse 19 basically does not say dog. It basically says lion. Say lion. How many know the Bible says the devil is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So he's talking about at this time when he's being crucified on the cross, demons are surrounding him. He calls them dogs, say dogs. Now, now you've got to remember the time that it was written and what was going on back then because dogs back then were dogs. You understand? They were low things. They weren't in the house. They didn't get bathed. They didn't get fed the best food. They didn't get cut every day. They didn't trim. They didn't get... Dogs were dogs back then. So it's, it's a derogatory word apparently to describe demons basically as dogs. So here Jesus is calling them dogs. Not like today, of course. They live in people and their families and everything else, but it was different back then, so that's why he used that word. He says, the dog and his power are coming to get me. Save me from the lion's mouth. The lion, of course, was the devil who was coming at him. So we see here on the cross there's a struggle, a struggle between good and evil, a struggle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And notice Jesus broke the power of the dog and the lion on the cross. The Bible in Hebrew says that through his death he might destroy him who had the power of death, and that is the devil. So Jesus defeated the power of the devil here at the cross, and then he went on in verse 22 to prophesy about that victory. 
He says, I will declare to my body the church, basically is what he's saying. The dog has been defeated. The lion's mouth has been shut. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples in my name. Go and cast out devils in his name, heal the sick, and raise the dead. Here he's talking about the transference of God power over demon power. Remember, up until this time, basically the devil was running the earth at this time. There was no anointing here. There was no power here until Jesus was raised from the dead. And basically people could then be declared righteous and have the Holy Spirit live on the inside of them with his power. So he's saying here, a new power is available to mankind, and it is much bigger than the power of the dog. Say dog. Say it like you should say it, dog. Dog, Dog. I like that, praise God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 28. First time I said anything about the devil being a dog and read the scripture before, they said, shh, the devil might hear you. Dog, dog, dog. All right, Matthew chapter 28, this is the very last end of Matthew. Look at verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto his disciples, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and where? In earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth." Here Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. He has the keys of hell and death. And all that authority is not only in heaven, but it's also in the earth. If you remember back, Adam lost that authority in the fall. When he fell, he lost the kingdom of God and he lost mankind's authority. Basically, Jesus got it back. How did he get it back? He went to the cross, he went into hell, and he took it back. The Bible says that the the strong man was bound and Jesus went in and took everything that he had stole from mankind. Hallelujah. So by meeting the devil and demons head on, he defeated them. Remember, Jesus had a chance to do it another way, didn't he? Remember when the devil came to him as soon as he got baptized and came out of the wilderness? And he says, if you just bow down and worship me, the devil says, I will give you the authority back. But how many know he would have got the authority back, but the devil would have still had authority over all mankind? And how many know that would have been a lot easier than going to the cross? But Jesus didn't do that. He knew what he was supposed to do. Here he's raised from the dead. He says, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth, and I will be with you always wherever you go. So when you were born again and into the kingdom of God, you were created right back into the image and likeness of God, just like in Genesis chapter 1. You were given back all authority, all dominion over all things. The Bible calls this restoration. Say restoration. To restore something means to take it back to its original condition or original place. So when Jesus restored us, he took us back to Genesis chapter 1 when we were created in the image and likeness of God himself and took us back to our location there and where we belong. The church up till now still acts like Adam in many areas of her life. We're afraid of sickness. We live in fear. We're worried. We're crying out for God to do something. But Jesus already told us to go because he's given us the authority back in our lives. In other words, do not tolerate anything from the curse into your life. Stop eating off the tree of defeat. Stop eating off the tree of failure and start ruling on the earth because Jesus has gotten all authority back. You now have kingdom rights if you're born into the kingdom of God. You have been raised and seated in heavenly places and you have authority in heaven and also authority on the earth. All right, Revelations chapter 1. All right, Revelations chapter 1, look at verse 5. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. First of all, here it calls Jesus the first begotten from the dead. Say first. Now, there's a reason it says first begotten of the dead, because it means there's other people who are going to be begotten after the first is begotten from the dead. So there are others. I don't know what number I am. I don't even care. I'm just glad I've been begotten, praise God. Jesus here is called the prince of the kings of the earth. Well, if he's the prince of the kings of the earth, who are the kings he's talking about on the earth? 
It's us. Praise God. So he's prince of the kings of the earth. He loved us. People say amen. amen. He washes in his own blood. People say hallelujah. But he also made us kings and priests unto God. Here's where the church has gotten stuck. They love to be washed, basically. They love to, that he loves us, but they don't get into the place where they understand that they have been made a king and a priest, basically, in this realm right now. The devil don't get too upset if you're just born again. He won't get too upset if he knows that you know that God loves you. He won't even care if you've forgiven all your sins. What makes him nervous is you get a revelation is that you've been made a king and a priest unto God, and you start acting like a king and a priest unto God, then he gets very nervous. So what has he done to the church? He's lied to the church. He's told the church, basically, they don't have any authority. Jesus has got to do it at all. Jesus is in control of everything. You don't have no power. You don't have any ability. You don't have to do this. And many people have accepted that in their life. You do not have to accept anything from the curse in your life because Jesus already redeemed you from the curse and gave you ability over the curse and has given you authority in heaven and also in earth. He told us to go because I will be with you always. Say, I am begotten of God, loved of God, washed in the blood, made a king and priest unto God. So I rule over sickness, over disease, over the devil, over demons. I reign on this earth with all the authority that's been given to me. All right, go to Acts chapter 10. All right, Acts chapter 10, look at verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. Here it says Jesus healed all that were, notice he didn't say sick, he said oppressed of who? Oppressed of the devil. If you're going to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit as a spiritual being, you have to look at things that are spiritual and not get caught up in just what the natural says it's going to be. In Jesus' ministry, he looked past the physical manifestation, he passed the outward symptom, and he saw the real problem. It was demonic oppression in sickness and disease. Jesus treated sickness like he would treat the devil. He knew sin, murder, lying, sickness, worry, fear were works of the devil. He called unbelief devils. Basically, when Peter was in unbelief, he said, get behind me, Satan. How many of you know he wasn't talking to Peter? He was talking to the demon of unbelief who was active in that area. Sickness is demonic oppression. Jesus saw the real source, the real problem. It was spiritual. Here he says it was demonic oppression. Until you see sickness as demonic, until you see it as a spiritual thing, it will just be a cold to you. It will just be the flu to you. Until you see worry is evil and keep worrying, you'll call it concern. Oh, I'm not worrying, I'm just concerned. No, that's demonic, trying to get into your soul. Until you see fear as an enemy of the devil. God has not given you a spirit of fear. Until you see that and start resisting fear, you'll live in fear all your life under demonic oppression. The devil will tempt you to be offended. Just say no. You have authority. He'll tempt you to get sick, to backslide. You can just say no because you have authority over these things. He's already been defeated on the cross by Jesus Christ. He can tempt you to receive sickness. He'll call it the flu that's going around. He'll call it you're under the weather. He'll call it you're feeling rough. He'll call it you're coming down with something. No, it's a demonic attack that you have authority over to resist and run out of your life. Spirits of infirmity will try to attack your body. Spirits of fear come after your soul. Unclean devils to get you to agree with them. Just say no because you have authority in these areas. Now, if you were raised like I was, you were taught just to accept these things. Many of us were taught that because our parents didn't know and we weren't in a church that taught that. So if we got sick, we just immediately started telling everybody sick and how sick we were and how long we were going to be sick and everybody else in the family is going to be sick and our neighbor is going to be sick and our cousins are going to be sick and everybody's going to be sick. And you know what happened? Everybody got sick. When you started worrying and started telling about your worries and everybody wanted to have more worries than you, so they told you bigger worries than your worries because everybody wanted to outdo everybody in the worry battle. But notice, we're a different generation. We're a different people. We're getting revelation. We don't have to put up with worry, fear, and offense anymore. We have authority over those things. And I'll tell you, your life gets a lot better when you're not living in worry, fear, and offense all the time. Hallelujah. All right, go to Colossians chapter 2. 
All right, Colossians chapter 2, look at verse 12. It says, buried with him, talking about Jesus in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sin and the uncircumcision of your flesh, has he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Here once again it's talking about the cross that we read about when God's power defeated Satan's power. On the cross basically it tells you here that the old person or the old man or the Adam nature that you had was crucified with Christ when he was crucified. It was buried when he was buried and when he was raised from the dead you became a new creation, spiritual being in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. You were forgiven all your trespasses. Say all my trespasses. Now, if you believe the old man is dead and the new man is alive now, also that sins are blotted out, that's good. But notice what verse 15 says. He then spoiled principalities and powers. Another translation says he discarded the evil powers. Another one says he disarmed the evil forces of hell. Another one says he thoroughly defeated once and for all the devil's power. And then it said he made a show of them openly. Notice he made an example of the devil when he celebrated his triumphant victory, when he exposed them, shattered them, left them empty and fully defeated. Hallelujah. Notice, so it does, doesn't say that Jesus went behind some closed door and beat the sap out of the devil, then left. It says he did it right out in the open. He didn't do it behind closed doors. He wanted every demon to know and every spiritual being to know what happened because at that time he beat the devil to a pulp at that time, took his power and his victory, and was raised from the dead. He wanted the whole world to know that Satan's defeat is complete. Amen. Jesus defeated, shattered, spoiled demons not for himself, he didn't do it for God. He didn't do it for the angels. He did it for us, mankind. We're the ones that needed it. Humanity needed the victory, needed to be redeemed, needed to be set free. So he spoiled principalities and powers, made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. Go to Galatians chapter 3. I'm telling you right now, the devil hates that scripture. <laughs> if he could rip that sucker out of the Bible, he'd do it today. All right, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. Here it says, Christ has past tense redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, what's the curse of the law? Well, we found out it's sickness. We found out it's disease. We found out it's divorced. We find out it's worry. We found out it's fear. We found out it's a lot of different things, basically, in the earth realm. One of the curses is that we seek things from Sunday rather than we seek first the kingdom of God, and you put yourself under a curse. But notice, we have been redeemed from the curse of the law and everything else. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Curses everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So here once again, Christ has past tense redeemed us. He redeemed us from the curse and everything that the curse entails, everything that the devil has. He redeemed or set us free from sickness, from worry, from sin, from lack, from fear, from guilt, and from all the wiles of the devil. On the cross, Jesus met the adversary who had ruled and reigned over mankind for 4,000 years. The Bible says he spoiled him and he defeated him. He entered into the strong man's house and he spoiled and stripped him of his authority and gave it back to the new creation people. Hallelujah. Satan has no legal right to bind the new creation. He has lost his power. He's lost his authority. He's lost his rights. Satan's defeat is complete. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 12. It says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, Jesus entered in once 
into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Here it says, Jesus provided redemption for mankind. How did he do it? He did it with his blood. With his own blood that he spilled, redeemed mankind. He redeemed mankind from what? The curse and everything the curse entails. Now notice, what kind of redemption is it? It is an eternal, say eternal. eternal. How many know that's a long time? See, and everybody wants to teach and train me when I got in here that this redemption took place after I died and went to heaven. Then there'll be no more sickness, no more disease, no more pain. How many know that's the truth? Because there's nobody up there to inflict that kind of stuff. But an eternal redemption starts today and the day before today, actually, and the day before that. So your eternal redemption is not when you die and get to heaven. It's basically right now because you have been eternally redeemed when Jesus took his blood into the holiest of holies, paid the price for you, and at that time you were totally set free. How many know eternal is a long time? So an eternal redemption, an eternal defeat of the devil has already been put in place. You will be, you'll never be more redeemed than you are right now. You may understand more about your redemption. You may grow in your knowledge of redemption, but you are already redeemed from the curse of the law right now. So Satan's defeat is eternally complete now and forever. Say now and forever. So is, is his redemption today for you? Are you redeemed today? Are you redeemed tomorrow? Are you redeemed on Friday if you get up and don't feel very good? Come on now. That's when you're going to find out what you really believe. See, it's easy today. How do you feel? Great. Are you redeemed? Oh, bless God, yes. And you wake up Friday morning and feel like I ran over a truck. Somebody comes and says, you're redeemed. I thought I was, but my God, I don't think I'm so redeemed anymore. I think I lost some of my re. I might just be deemed right now, praise God, because I don't feel very good. Why is that? Because the challenges are going to come. I mean, are you going to be tempted every day to worry? You're going to be tempted to go into fear at times. But you are eternally redeemed. It's not God's problem. He already finished what was supposed to be done. Now we're putting into action with our authority and, and enforcing what he's already done for each and every one of us. And how many know that's up to you? Yep. See? And if it don't work in your life and you're maybe a baby Christian you don't understand, go to somebody who's not and they'll get the thing off of you. They'll just say go and that'll be it. It'll run away and that'll be it. And then you learn how to do it yourself. Hallelujah. You grow up in the things of the Lord. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 2. All right, Hebrews chapter 2, look at verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus himself also likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to what? bondage. So here's the two reasons why Jesus went to the cross and he died. Number one, Jesus provided, of course, redemption for mankind, but number one, he destroyed him who had the power of death. Who had the power of death? The devil. So he went there to destroy the devil. Notice if the devil still had authority over us, it doesn't matter what kind of authority we've got because he could override us. But if the devil lost his authority when Jesus went in there and destroyed him and gave us the authority, now it's up to us to live free in every area of our life. So he destroyed him and he also delivered us. Say he delivered us. So it's a twofold thing, isn't it, when he died and was raised from the dead. He destroyed the devil and he delivered mankind. Another translation says he brought the devil to naught. Another one says he broke his power. Another one says he rendered him completely powerless. And another one says he paralyzed him in the pit of hell. Glory to God. Why? To deliver, to redeem, to set at liberty, completely break the bondage. Satan's defeat is complete. Now, the churches that I've been around for the years that I've been here, most of the church spends most of its time fighting a knocked out devil spends most of his time talking about what the devil is trying to do to them all the time, how he's chasing them around, how he's attacking them, how he's doing all this stuff. Why not spend your time talking about what Jesus did to him rather than what he's trying to do to you? Amen. See, if we could just put that in our mouth, somebody says, oh, the devil's chasing me. Well, who cares? Jesus destroyed him, paralyzed him, beat, beat him to a pulp. But you don't understand the devil's chasing me. Well, tell him to get off of you, praise God, because Jesus already defeated him on the cross, and he did it. But well, we rather talk about what the devil's trying to do, and, and the giant devil over the city of Port St. Lucie and Fort Pierce who's holding everything back. Some people got this stuff in their minds, you know, and I don't know if they get it from other people or whatever, but uh, the Holy Ghost is bigger than the devil. I don't know if you know that or not. 
And the Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you, praise God, so it should be all right. So most Christians believe there is a devil, but very few believe in the defeat of the devil. Is the devil out there? Oh, yes, he's out there. But don't let him hear me. If I'm talking about him, he might come after me. I'm not going to say anything. Tell him to go. I'm not going to tell him to go. He might get mad at me, for God's sake. And we got this stuff, you know, from Hollywood. We got this stuff from people out there that do stupid things. But notice, if you really knew the devil was defeated and underneath your feet and had no power and authority all over, it'd remove a lot of fear from your life, wouldn't it? Yeah. And that's what he says here. He delivered us from the fear of death. What's the fear of death? The fear that came to us by our spiritual death. When spiritual death came into our lives when we were born, the, there's not faith, there's fear in that. So we're afraid of everything. We're afraid of sickness. We're afraid of demons. We're afraid of people. We're afraid of everything at that time. So what he did was he came along and basically he defeated that power so that you could live and walk out of that stuff. The devil will use tradition. He'll use religion. He uses Hollywood movies to make himself big in the minds of people, especially in the church. There are books and movies and cartoons about evil, demonic powers ruling people's lives. And basically, you've got to understand that all this stuff is made up. Probably made up by somebody who's demon-possessed. What are they doing? They're trying to attack your mind. They're trying to make you afraid. They're trying to get you scared. But I can remember back, how many of you ever heard of Oral Roberts? One time at a meeting when he was in a healing meeting, he stood up and he proclaimed that he saw Jesus, basically a 90-foot Jesus in the middle of the meeting. And you know, they wrote bad things about him for four weeks after he said that. If he'd have said, I saw a 90-foot devil, they'd have probably made a movie about it. Right. Why is that? Because we see the devil bigger. We see the power bigger. We see sickness is bigger than anything we can do about it. We see worry and fear as part of our lives. But it's not part of our lives because Satan's defeat is totally complete. And now you have to put it into effect in your own lives. I believe Jesus is bigger than the devil. And the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So it's foolish then to take a knocked out devil, prop him up in your mind and your thought life and your tradition and your Old Testament studies and believe him, raise him up because of fear and doctrines of devils, then spend your whole life trying to pull him down out of the heavenlies. If you hear a lot of um, prayer meetings in church, they're always trying to pull the devil down out of the heavenlies. Well, the only reason why he's up there is if you put him there. See, first they put him up there, then they spend all night trying to tear him down. Don't put him there in the first place. The Bible only said he's not in the heavenlies. The Bible says he's underneath the believer's feet, the Bible says, and that's where he should stay. But we get so spiritual at times, which really isn't spiritual anyway. Everybody wants to get so spiritual, praise God. Oh, yes, we're pulling him down. I see him coming down. No, you see him right down there if you just look down. Open your eyes, praise God. And it's where you see him is how you're going to react. Many people are afraid of everything simply because they think the devil's this giant thing out there and controlling everything, and he's not, praise God. The only thing he wants to control is that thing between your ears. And if he can control that, he can keep you nervous. He can keep you worried. He can do this. And I'll tell you what, if the devil's underneath your feet, you want to know how to wake him up? Talk complaining, doubt, and unbelief. It's like smelling salts to him. It'll wake him right up off the mat. He'll be ready to go again. So basically, we want to stay out of there. We want to walk by faith, not by sight. When you realize the devil is defeated, spoiled, and stripped of power, that you are redeemed, totally redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, then basically you can live in victory every single day of your life. When you close your eyes and somebody says, Devil, what do you see? You see this big black 30-foot monster hanging over you, or do you see a defeated foe running from Jesus and running from you, praise God? You've got to understand that Jesus did it all. He did everything the church wants to do. Amen. Well, we're just fighting. We're going to take that devil down. Why? Why? He's already been taken down. See, you don't fight to overcome. You fight because you've already overcome. You don't fight to get the victory. You fight because you got the victory, praise God. You've already been raised and seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. And you're the one that's the victor right now. He is the victim, but the church has flipped the script to make him the big man, and we're the victim in our areas of our life. But it's not that way. You can just tell him to go with the authority that you've got. I guarantee you, he will go if you do that, praise God. So we have a God-sized redemption. Satan has no right to rule over any area of your life. All right, go to Luke chapter 10. telling you, you spend time in this word and it imparts power to you. It imparts victory to you. It imparts authority to you. It imparts 
healing power to you. It imparts all those things to you. Sunday, I'm telling you what, when I went back and saw that guy shaking back there and saying, I, I, I want to receive Jesus. How, how many know we've we got to coax him to come up front most of the time? Please come up the front. Please come up the front. No, he was asking to get to Jesus. And that's what's going to happen when we start walking in the power and the anointing we got and start talking like that. People are going to want what we got rather than us having to bribe them to come up front to get something, praise God. I mean, they got to understand they're in bad shape, but there's help right here, right now. Not tomorrow, not a week from now, not 20 days from now. Right now, there's a redemption for them. Jesus died for me, praise God, but he died for them too. I mean, you know, I was them at one time. Hopefully, them will be me at one time, praise God. Why is that? Because there's a change. But we've got to understand, this stuff is happening now. Yeah. If you put, well, I, I, I'll pray for you, but I just don't know if, if God's going to uh, deliver you or not. He may deliver you, he may not, depending on if he's eating lunch or if he's busy up there. We just don't know what to do. To, you can't talk like that and get anybody delivered. You've got to understand that they've already been delivered by the power of God, and you've been redeemed from these things. So when you talk to sickness, you talk like you know what you're talking about. Praise God. You don't say, oh, my God, help me, Jesus. No, we've got authority. And the revelation's coming forth, I'm telling you, like never before. It's in this book, and it's under some of the teachings going around right now. You can get as much revelation in two sermons as you used to get in two years. Why? Because God is releasing revelation in this earth. Yes, it's getting darker, but the darker it gets, the more light is poured out by God on the inside. And people are starting to see things they've never seen before. I'm talking about ministers. I'm seeing things I ain't ever seen before. And I've looked at this book and looked at this book. And I got notes, man. You go in my house and you could read notes for years that are stocked up in my thing. But I'm just seeing now some of the things that I didn't see before. What was he doing? Line upon line. Precept upon convincing you of something. We'll let you go any further until he convinces you, see? He keeps you right there until you cross that hurdle and then you go into the next hurdle and pretty soon your authority you'll expect it to work you'll lay hands on the sick you'll expect it you'll preach and expect the power of God to hit people in the spirit and change their life and that's the dimension we're moving in right now everybody sees the darkness my God open your eyes and look at the light that's going on right now praise God glory to God Yes, things in the world look dim, but I'll tell you what, there's a reason why they look dim, because the Bible says, Arise, shine, for the light has come, and the glory of the Lord is going to rise upon God's people, praise God. And it rises upon them, gross darkness will cover the earth. The grosser it gets, the lighter it gets, praise God. You almost got to pray for grossness. Come gross, come gross, come gross. Because the darker it gets, the lighter it's going to get. There's not going to be any of this mamby-pamby, middle-of-the-road stuff anymore. You're going to be on one side or you're going to be on the other side, praise God. Because the sword is coming down right now and it's cutting. And you're either on the, you're either on the God kingdom, God side, or you're on the other side. And you've got to make up your mind which side you're going to get down. You cannot be a complacent Christian. You're not going to make it. You're not going to survive. It's not going to happen. There's too much stuff going on in the world. There's too much other information out there. You've got to get into the good information. You've got to put the light in your spirit every single day. You've got to think it when you're driving down the road. You've got to speak it when you're talking to yourself. You've got to see other people, praise God, and look for that, that, that gross darkness to attack that thing with the light. That's what we're here for. How many know that's what we're here for? Amen. We're not just here to go to church on Sunday and say, Oh, Pastor Tom, that was such a good sermon. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you don't do what I teach, I'm wasting my time. See, in the church for years, it's just been come, let's have a social club with there's nothing wrong about having fellowship. But I'll tell you what, once you leave these doors, you're leaving here because you're a problem to the devil. He's hoping you stay in here all day long. He's hoping you don't go to your job with a smile on your face thinking about the power of God. He hopes you don't drive down the street with somebody pulling out in front of you and you're walking in the spirit rather than the flesh. Why is that? Because all these things in his life, he wants to mess the Christian people up. He wants to mess the kingdom people up. But we're rising up. We're going further. We ain't near done yet where we're at. It doesn't matter how far we think we've gotten to. We haven't gone anywhere yet, praise God. Because revelation is coming and just keeps coming and just keeps coming. Some of your eyes are being been opened up more in the last six months than they have in the first ten years of your ministry right now and thing why is that because God is opening up the book praise God and he's showing things that he wants at this time because people need to know about what Jesus did to the devil and they need to stop watching the stupid Hollywood movies and making him look like some kind of monster out there praise God he's a teeny weeny little demon praise God hallelujah all right Luke chapter 10 you're messing me up here now let me get back to where I was here All right, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. 
And the 70 returned again with joy, and they said, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written where? So here's Jesus' 70 disciples. He sends them out. He commissions them to preach, to heal, to cast out devils. They return, and look what they say. They say, my God, even the devils are subject unto us. How I many know they didn't quite have the revelation yet either? But he said, man, the devils are, we used your name. We brought devils under control. They found out that the devil was no match for the authority that Jesus was going to give to the body of Christ. Now, notice, they weren't born again yet. They didn't have the authority yet. They were operating off of Jesus' authority and his words that he gave them. We're born again and we have the official authority now because we've been born again in our lives. So notice, the devil can't make you do it. How come he did that? The devil made me do it. Christian's favorite line. Notice, the devil shouldn't be harassing Christians. Christians should be harassing the devil. Christians shouldn't be saying the devil made me do it. Devil should be saying a Christian made me do it. Amen. See, we got everything backwards. Got it all back. Like the devil can make you do this. Devil, he can't make you do nothing. Do you understand? You have authority and power, and you make your own decisions on what you do in your life, whether you resist or don't, whether you walk in love or don't, whether you forgive or you don't. Has nothing to do with the devil. He can't make you not forgive. Demons basically are subject to the church. The entire church. Even the people that don't know that they have authority, have authority. Yes. They've got it. Sometimes they'll accidentally use it. Yeah. <laughs> and it works. You know? There's one, one commercial on TV right now where uh, the guy's walking real happy. and I think it's about Crohn's or something. All at once he says, not today, Crohn's. I'm thinking, dear God, if you just put Jesus on the end of that, he'd probably get delivered from the thing. <laughs> Have you seen that commercial? Not today, Crohn's. And they're walking. They don't know what they're saying, but they're accidentally using their authority. And Crohn's is probably leaving their life if they had it and they were really doing that commercial. Why? Because mankind has authority and the devil doesn't want anybody to know that they have authority. Praise God. All right, look at verse 18 again. And Jesus said, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. How many know that was a vision? Jesus had a vision. He said, whoo I saw Satan fall like lightning from the heaven. They said, we cast out devils. Oh, yeah, well, I saw him fall like lightning from heaven, praise God. I saw more than you even did. So here he gave them power and authority, a legal right to rule over their sin, over fear, over demons, authority to defeat the devil. Well, not really defeat the devil, but enforce the defeat of the devil to stay sin-free, not to pull the devil down from the heavenies, but keep him under their feet. Look at verse 19. Behold, I give you power to tear him down out of the heavenlies because he's a big demon. He's just hard to get down. No, behold, I give you power to? To what? To what? Now, what do you tread on with? Your feet. You've got, you got the power to walk on him, not pull him down from anywhere. He's not up there, praise God. So he's already on the mat for us. So he's already down for the count. Somebody already defeated him, and his name is Jesus. So we have authority over all the power. We have the weapons over the enemy. Satan cannot legally put sickness on you any more than he could put it on Jesus. As long as you take your advantage and legal place in Christ at the first symptom, the first thought, the first worry thought, you have authority to command his power to be broken over you. Satan remains a defeated foe in your life. You must say to the mountain that stands in your way, be removed and be cast into the sea. All right, look at verse 20. Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are where? Now, this is an important verse if you study it out. Notice, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject of you. In other words, don't wait to believe the devil's subject to you until you cast him out and he goes. That's not why you have authority. You have authority because your name is written in heaven. Well, how often is your name written in heaven? Always. So if I get up on Monday morning and I don't feel like I got an ounce of authority, it doesn't make any difference how I feel because my name is written in heaven. 
See, if you're in the government and you're the president someplace and you rule over everybody, it don't matter if you wake up with the flu in the morning, don't even want to get out of bed, you still got the same authority than if you got up and felt well. Why, what, what's our authority based on? Not if you see it work, not over here. It's based on whether you were born again and your name has already been written in heaven. You have the authority whether you feel like it or not. Now, how many of you know if you don't feel like it, somebody may come around and tell you you don't have authority that day. Do you have authority today? I think so. How do you feel? Not very good. Well, you probably don't have it, then you probably lost it. And then he'll give you 50,000 sins of where you lost it, and you probably didn't even commit any of them. What's he doing? He's going to work right here, isn't he? He's doing it. So what do we want to do? We know that when we were born again, at that time, we received authority and power. The devil has already been defeated. You have authority because of your position. That's why you have authority. You are a king and a priest unto God. Your authority is based on your identity, not necessarily your ability. Your identity is a new creation in Christ Jesus. If you wake up and don't feel like you have it, guess what? You have it. If you speak to the devil and I don't feel like he's going anywhere, it doesn't matter. He's got to go someplace. Well, I spoke to him and I don't think he went anywhere. Well, then, when did you then think he went anywhere? Right after I spoke to him. Well, then, see? You either got it or you don't. You're either going to speak it and walk away or not. Even if, but don't go by your feelings. Go by whether your name is written in heaven. See? And don't claim anything that's of the curse. My arthritis. My heart attack. My elbow. My pain. My, it's not yours. It's the devil's for gosh sakes. So I'm not going to claim it. I'm going to stand against it. I'm not going to take it. If you sign for the package, you end up with it. He's like a delivery man. He brings a pain into your shoulder and tells you that it probably going to, your shoulder's going to cramp up because you did something your whole life that made your elbow wear out, and you're probably going to have to have surgery. And if you tell everybody, Maya, well, you know what happened here? My arm is really sore. I worked hard all those years, and it's going to get me now because they're going to do surgery. And, well, you sign for the package now. You've already got it. Pray for me. Well, I'll pray for you, but notice even if I pray for them, then they'll call the next person and tell them again. He just prayed for me, but it sure didn't work because it's just as bad. I think it's getting worse. I think he probably not going to even pray for me again. My arm will probably fall off. See, don't, don't accept this stuff. Don't take this stuff. Don't take it any more like you would. I mean, a mosquito comes to your house, and you chase around with a fly swatter for two hours, swatting at that thing, trying to kill the darn thing. Come on now. A devil comes into your life, and you say, come on. Come on, let me pet you. Welcome to my house. So glad to have you here. I got some of you, if a roach came into your house, you'd do a fire extinguisher to try to get that thing out of there. And it's just a little roach, isn't it? See? Well, the devil looks like a roach, praise God. That's what he looks like, glory to God. So when he tries to come in your house or in your body, praise God, do something about it. Say, I'm a new creation. Born of God. Given authority. I rule and reign. I'm not afraid of the devil. I'm not afraid of sickness. I'm not afraid of lack. Jesus spoiled you. Defeated you. Knocked you out. You, devil, are eternally defeated. Satan's defeat is complete. All right, go to John chapter 12. All right, John chapter 12, look at verse 30. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world should be what? Cast out. So here, now remember in Luke, what did he say? I've had visions of Satan falling from heaven. Here he says, now it's the time when the prince of this world will be cast out. What's he talking about? The same thing. He had the revelation twice. He's talking about the time where the devil will be thrown out of heaven once and for all. How many know the devil had access to heaven? Yep. Have you ever read the book of Job? He was going up and accusing Job before God, down to earth, back up, down to earth, back up. Well, Jesus is talking about a time when he's raised from the dead and takes his blood into the holies of holies. He's going to sprinkle that blood and the devil will not be able to be in the heavenlies anymore or go before God anymore because he's going to be cast out. Say cast out. All right, go to Revelations chapter 12.
All right, Revelations chapter 12, let's start in verse 6. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. Now, how many know who the dragon is? And he prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. Why? Because they were cast out. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. He's talking about a war we're at in heaven. Satan and his angels were in heaven. Jesus took the blood up there to take care of the defilement was there. Their place was no longer found in heaven. What happened? The prince of this world was cast out. Jesus had visions of Satan falling like lightning. He cast him down to the earth from heaven at that time. No longer does the devil have access to heaven. Most of the church thinks this happened before Adam was created, but notice that that's not true because it says now is salvation. When was salvation made possible? When Jesus took his blood into the holiest of holies. Now is the kingdom of God. Now is the power of Christ available. Now is the authority. So what was he doing? He was getting all of Satan's defilement out of heaven totally and throwing him down to earth. Now notice what Satan was doing before that. He was going before God and accusing the brethren of what they're doing wrong. Why? He wants to keep you with a guilty conscience. Are you following me? So what did he do? Back in those days, he went up before God. Hey, hey this, is what he, this is what that Tom's doing down there. This is how he's behaving. This is what he's doing. Here's what he's doing. Here's what he's doing. And sometimes you get guilty because you think every time you sin, God's getting the report. See? devil's going up and give, give a full report of what I just did wrong. And he's going up and he's telling God. And God knows this and God knows that. But notice, he can't even get up there anymore. Amen. So what does he do? He no longer can accuse you to God because the blood has already forgiven you of all of your sins. So he accuses you to you. You're so unworthy. You just can't do nothing right. Nobody loves you. Nobody cares about you. Nobody did. Blah, 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 blah. And pretty soon you're starting to believe all that stuff. And pretty soon you're in self-pity. And pretty, I don't know. And pretty, what's he doing? He's accusing you, but he can't get up before God anymore because God ain't going to hear it anymore because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So Jesus, by the blood, has set you free. Now what's available? Salvation. Come on. The kingdom of God. The power of Christ are available to the church. And how do we perform it? Look at verse 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Notice, not by your efforts, not by what you did, not if you're a good boy, bad boy, good girl, bad girl. You overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So notice your testimony, once again, is very important because you have the ability to defile yourself. See, people defile themselves. They, they talk themselves down. They talk about how bad they are. They talk about how worthless they are. They talk about they can't. And pretty soon they defile themselves and go into a state of depression. And it wasn't because the devil was going up before God and they're afraid of God. It's because the devil was working on them and they took themselves into that place just by the words of their mouth. The Bible says you self-defile yourself. The tongue will defile you. But he can't defile you if you don't agree with what he's telling you. Amen. See? Those thoughts that come that are anti-God, you've got to learn to knock down and get rid of. And at first, and at first, you may be receiving more from Him than you are from God's Word. In other words, they're there. When you first get born again, I'll tell you what, your mind doesn't change at all. And you're getting beat up by your mind until you slowly renew your mind to the Word of God. But notice, the more Word of God you get in there, the less of Him you're going to get in there. In other words, you're going to be able to detect his lies, detect what he's saying. You can't do that. You offended this one. Nobody likes you. This and that. Praise God. And a lot of times you need to answer him. Yep. You can't think the devil the way you have to answer him. Yeah. See? So if he comes and says nobody likes you, you say, well, God likes me. And who matters more than God? Praise God. If you only got one friend in the world, it's God. You're doing pretty good. Praise God. How many of you know that? See? 
You're doing pretty good. So you answer, oh, you're getting sick. Uh, that stuff's going around. It's going to get you. No, I was healed 2,000 years ago, and I'm redeemed by the blood. Praise God. Well, you don't look redeemed. Well, I don't care what I look like because the blood already provided. Well, you're going to get sick. I can't get sick because I'm eternally redeemed. So how long am I redeemed? For eternity. So I'm going to lock myself in there. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to answer those thoughts that come against me. I'm not going to try to think them away, and I'm certainly not going to meditate on them. See, we meditate on more of his stuff than we do of God's stuff most of the time. We meditate. That's how the devil got so big in the church. People meditated him there. All at once he had control and power over everything. It's just not true. Devil's defeat has been complete now for years. And it's time the church wakes up to understand that they can walk in the victory that God provided for them. That as soon as you moved into the kingdom of God, you got everything that you'll ever need right now. You're not trying to get anything. You're just trying to get a revelation of it. And you're trying to use the weapons that God has given you. Praise God. And right here is where the battleground is. And right here is where you've got to win it. People get mad all the time. Well, you're double-minded. Well, that's better than I was single-minded when I got saved. Praise God, I'm advancing them if I'm double-minded anyway. And the more you grow, the better it'll get. Pretty soon it'll be 60-40. See? Then 70-30. And maybe 80-20, praise God. And then you get to a place like where it's 98 and 2. And that's a good lifestyle. Because how many know even the 2% when you fly and lose it, you'll correct yourself right away. Because 98% the other way. Well, that's what we're doing. We're listening to the Word. We're growing in the Word. We're meditating on the Word of who we are and what we can do. And the devil's defeat has been completed by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for your Word tonight. I just thank you, Jesus, for being born into this earth realm and beating a sap out of the devil when you went to hell and took care of him. I thank you, you spoiled principalities and powers. You made a show of them openly. Father, I thank you for the authority that you've given to your church and the revelation that's now coming forth to your church, not only here but everywhere. Every born-again person who's seeking you and seeking you with all their heart, you are revealing to them not only the kingdom but their righteousness and their rights in that kingdom. Father, I thank you that this church continues to grow, not by people but by hearts, by revelation, and by what you're speaking to each and every one of us. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you that it sticks strong in our hearts and in our minds. And I thank you we will walk in victory and will honor what you did for us on the cross. And we thank you for it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. the kingdom